Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Hey, welcome to episode 127 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm excited that it is February. How did your January 2021 go? For me, one of the biggest accomplishments I did is to learn Spanish. I've been taking Spanish lessons on Duolingo, and I didn't miss a single lesson in January. Super excited about this. This episode, I really love this. This is probably one of my most favorite interviews I've done for this podcast. I talked to Hilary Weiss, and we talked about how to build a thriving community with attention-grabbing content. Now, you might think that to create content that really stands out, you have tell or present it in a certain way. Maybe you have to be more energetic like Gary Vee or more inspirational like Tony Robbins or more charismatic like Ellen DeGeneres. Hilary Weiss, who has personality-driven brands stand out, doesn't believe so. Instead, she says that you need to learn how to be more clearly and unapologetically yourself. You have to learn how to take your own opinions and point of view seriously in order to share them publicly even if they're not directly related to your business. In episode 127, you'll learn first Hilary's statement piece framework to help brands create unique and attention-grabbing content. Second, how to build your own audience to sell your own ideas and products. And third, tips for taking a stand with your content without feeling like a total jerk. Now, before we jump in, I've created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actionable tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Seriously, why take notes about this podcast when you can just steal mine? You can go to growtoday.fm forward slash 127 to get it now for free. Or you can find this link in the description of this show. Get it now because after I publish the next episode, I take away this week's cheat sheet. I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, these folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. Thanks to LinkedIn, LinkedIn is an undiscovered goldmine for many advertisers. Now, one thing I really love about advertising on LinkedIn is how you can target by very exclusive criteria that you won't find anywhere else, such as company growth rate, job seniority, job titles, skills, and more. Whether you're looking to generate leads, drive website traffic, and build brand awareness, LinkedIn advertising can help you reach your business goals. Now, get a $100 free advertising credit to watch your first LinkedIn campaign for free at linkedin.com forward slash grow today or find the link in the description. Enough about me. Let's jump into my chat with Hillary. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to chat with Hillary. Uh, you know, I've been somebody referred us over Twitter and we are here. We're going to talk about community building, but also you know, creating this personal brand around this community. How's it going, Hillary? How are things with you this after, this morning? It's going so awesome. It's a rainy day here in Brooklyn, a perfect day to talk <laughs> community, stay indoors, uh, especially now that we're all living that online life. But I'm so thrilled to be here and cannot wait to dig in what we have to talk about today. Yeah, I'm super excited. I definitely went through your site, um, some of the presentation you've done and the framework that you've created. But before we do, I just love to warm our conversations up. Uh, what I think is you said is you're, you're obsessed about live music. Yes. Uh, curious which band was the first one or which artist was the first one you attended and which one was the last one before all of this craziness hap happened. You're going to laugh. 
Um, so I, I'm embarrassed actually about what my first concert was because my first concert, I, I grew up in a very strict, like conservative household. So my first concert, I don't really count it because I didn't know anyone on the stage. So I'll tell you my, who my second one was. But technically my first concert was like a Christian rock music festival. And oh. it may have been, yeah, it may have been these guys called the Newsboys, I want to say, oh, which I think a yeah. very select corner of your <laughs> audience may recognize. Um, but a few, a couple years, uh, I think about a year, six months after that, um, I went to my, what I consider my first official concert, which equally hilariously was Lifehouse. Do you remember Life them House. from like yes. the late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, yeah. Well, was it? by a moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. From it was, yep. it played on some shows and movies. I remember. Yeah. Iconic. Truly iconic. <laughs> um, I've gotten a little more indie since then. And it's, it's funny you bring up, you know, who was my last concert before COVID? So many. So my husband and I were live music fanatics, as I mentioned. So we're usually during the summer in New York. I mean, it may be the same in Toronto where um, we're at like a concert every week you know, because so many people are coming to town and it's so much fun. And there's, you know, really beautiful, amazing outdoor concert, concerts and festivals. None of that this summer. Um, right. So the last show we saw was a band called Destroyer um, at Brooklyn Steel. And it was actually like a week before everything shut down. Um, so it was like, we were like, we should have all been wearing masks. Like, oh my God, who knew? Because those are the well, super yeah, spreader events when people are, right. are singing along. Yeah. And I don't know if you're familiar with Destroyer, but like they're very theatrical, like, synth pop rock it's it was like a a guy with like an unlikely voice leading it's like very it's very dramatic it's it was so much fun and it was actually an incredible live show because they had a full band and if you ever listen to destroyer um it's actually we thought it was going to be the lead vocalist djing because the music is so complex Um, but everyone was there performing live it was phenomenal actually it was one of the best live shows i've seen um but so it was a good way to say to say farewell to live music for a bit, but I wish I'd known that'd be the last. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I when you say destroyer, I was thinking it was thinking it was a metal screamo band, and like with with, <laughs> with Slayer, yeah. like Slayer. I was like, oh wow, really? At, uh, I know. Uh, like, it sounds. It sounds. <laughs> I actually have a T-shirt that I could show you where there's actually like I, I got merch that day because I loved the show so much, and it's like two mid-century modern like a little mid-century modern like patio set. And then in the back, there's like a nuclear bomb going off. So like they give off that the mushroom cloud. So they give off that vibe that like it's very synth poppy, like kind of weird. But yeah, it does sound like a metal band. So it makes me sound way cooler than I am. But just living <laughs> that indie life over here, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he's the thing better than mosh bits. I've been in one and uh, not, a, not a fan of mosh bits. <laughs> well, I, it's great to hear. Uh uh, you know, let's 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 skip gears and let's talk about niche communities and personal branding. I know you have a marketing talk show, a, a different other things, but what's you know that I, I'm kind of leading to it. But what's your experience been with building niche communities? Yeah, it's sort of been my whole life in the online business world. So, what's interesting is I got my start about ten years ago in the online business space, and I was a copywriter. These days, I'm a creative director, and I, I do positioning coaching, but. Uh, Back then, what was interesting is that there, it wasn't kind of the universe where you could throw a stone and hit like a Facebook group for online business or like a six step to six figure program. Um, so small communities were kind of the lifeblood of the industry. I know I was in a group with about six or 10 women, um, all supporting each other, referring each other, all that good stuff. Um, back when that kind of movement was in its infancy, this may have even been pre ads on Facebook, if I remember correctly. 
Um, but what was really wonderful about it is it really exposed the fact that you don't necessarily need a following of 10,000, 100,000, or even 1,000 people to make a business work. And I think that's actually part of what keeps a lot of people out of the online business space. They're like, don't I have to be an influencer to make money? Like, don't I need 10,000 followers on Instagram so I can do the swipe up on stories so people will take me seriously? And, you know, it helps, um, but it's definitely not the end all be all. Um, and over the years, you know, communities have been a huge part of how I built my business. Um, the Copywriter Club, which is a really big copywriter community on Facebook. Now it's 10,000 members. I was one of the first, uh, one of the first people on their podcast too, by the way. I was on like episode 17 or something. Now there are like 200 episodes or something absurd. Um, but what was really wonderful about that for me and how I sort of see community as a way to participate and connect is that, you know, it was a great way to sort of see what other people in the industry were doing to help folks who are new, because that's one of the you know, privileges of my work being so experienced, I'm able to sort of step in and be like, listen, you know, let's ask more questions. Let's dig in here. Let's not give everybody the one-liner advice. Um, and it was a bit, a huge part sort of of how my star was rising, but also, you know, not beyond just, um, you know, Facebook communities and, and the like teaching and working alongside masterminds and other people's communities and being able to kind of hop in between, uh, was a huge game changer for my business and a huge um, practice, a really wonderful practice ground for me as I figured out, you know, how I wanted to teach, how I wanted to share, what I wanted to be doing. So when it came time to kind of step into my own role and create my own community on my social platforms, and also with Hamya, it was it was a really wonderful frame of mind to be in because our number one priority was never, you know, a certain number of YouTube subscribers. And it was never, you know, gaining us a certain amount of subscribers to our email list or followers. It was about how do we create a really awesome deep connection for this really specific group of people? Because the wonderful thing about online business in general is there's so many pockets where you could really show up and rock. And it doesn't matter that the community, how, what size the communities are, because people are often really hungry for the message either way. And that's something I learned is, you know, what creates a great community isn't just great numbers and, you know, have asking good questions or the founder being super active or anything like that. A big part of it is giving people a place to go where they can meet like-minded people and share their ideas and really feel connected by a philosophy or a point of view that they feel strongly about and wish more people were talking about. Like that often creates this incredible kind of tornado of discussion and activity and engagement and, and everything that matters when it comes to creating a community that creates change and drives business, if that's your goal. Mm, and I, I really love how you, you talked about how, you know, you weren't after the YouTube views at the beginning, you were, you were really trying to create that engagement and that, that, that connection uh, with Hamya. I want to jump into that. What is, what is Hamya? <laughs> it's, it stands for Hillary and Margot yell at websites. Hamya. How did that yes. start? I found it on YouTube, but you know. I'm oh, it, it starts that. exactly how you would imagine it started. <laughs> We were at a dive bar in Union Square um, and we were like, what if we did this? No. Um, so let me, the, the, to begin at the actual beginning. So Margo and I had been good friends for a while um, and we both kind of have, we called ourselves at the time, like market, digital marketing heretics um, because we were very, you know, we would step forward and be like, this one liner advice, not quite correct. Let's talk about it. And her and I would spend a lot of time talking to each other about trends we were 
seeing in the space, good information versus misinformation, you know, the problems people were coming to us with, which were so common and, and inter like across the industry. Um, so we were out to dinner one night and I think we, we went out for Thai food and drank an entire bottle of wine. And then we were like, nightcap. So we went and did whiskey shots at a bar at a dive bar, like next door. Um, so we were like a couple beers and shots deep. And Margo was talking about something about pricing. And I was like, you need to be telling this on Instagram stories right now. And she's like, no, 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 I don't, I'm not really good on video. I don't, I don't know about video. I was like, Margo, give me your phone. So I actually took the phone and started filming her. And then she grabbed my phone and started opening my Instagram stories. So she went on a tear on my Instagram stories and I stole her phone, turned it on myself and went on a tear on her Instagram stories. And people kind of went wild in our DMs to see each other. Um, on our stories and on each other's <laughs> platforms because they knew us, they knew we were friends, they'd seen us at conferences, they'd seen us bantering, they'd seen us writing about each other. Um, so that was a really great sign for us. We were like, we should do something with this. Um, and so we were sitting down and talking about it as the DMs were popping off at that bar. And we were like, maybe we should do a YouTube show. Because we originally were like, do we want to do a podcast? Mm, we're visual people. Why not make it a show? Um, so a couple weeks later, we filmed a couple episodes just to give it a shot and see what happened. Um, and it ended up really taking on a life of its own. Um, and now we've got this really wonderful community around it. We've got these really loyal followers, this great little channel, and, and we're just thrilled. And we're best friends and we get to work together all the time. And it's just, I, I see nothing wrong with it so far. Um, and there's a lot of growth coming our way with any luck. So it's just been a privilege to, to create and be silly about. Mar the name was Margot's idea, by the way. We were like, what do we call it? She's like, Hillary and Margo yell at websites. Ha, 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 ha. I was like, wait a second. That is a catchy acronym, and we're keeping that. And we were like, can we show up and make this show with an absurd name as to absurd people? Like, is that going to work? We have no idea. But we showed up. And we were like, let's give it a shot. And the response was awesome. Um, because you don't get many absurdly named marketing shows out there on the internet. Yeah. So it definitely has a that sticky quality uh, in name alone, I like to think. I love I love that story. Some of the best ideas come from showers or bars. You know, like you're yes. taking a shower, <laughs> shower idea hits. You're at a bar, just like sh shooting the crap with a friend, and then yeah. this is a great idea. Oh, amazing! <laughs> yeah. I, you're you're already leading to it, but that, how did that uh, community? Did the community start from the beginning, or was that something that happened organically? Because you know, you both have you you're, you you know each other from conferences, speaking there, and you already have your own following, but did that happen organically or were like some stuff you did early on that, you know, that mm -hmm. tried to encourage that community, whether that's creating a group or, 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 or anything else? Yes, absolutely. So it happened fairly organically. Um, and where we've actually probably have the most activities like in our emails, in the, in the comments, um, and on Instagram. Um, but what has been really great about the community we've built is we have the loyal viewers who will always share mm. an episode and are always really excited. Um, we have the people who talk to us on our individual emails as well, sharing ideas. Um, but what's really beautiful about the community we've created is, is we have created a, a network of people who agree with each other and really get it. And there's higher level people talking to the lower level people that are analyzing the um, videos, the videos are getting shared in masterminds and people are talking about them there. So that happened organically, but in terms of the strategy piece of it, it's a lot of us encouraging the conversation, a lot of us being available in the DMs and in the email responses to, so people make sure they know we're there. Because the wonderful thing I think about Hamia itself and why it works so well 
is because it's almost like you're listening in on two friends just having a chat mm, yeah. um, and getting weird and disagreeing, but also making jokes because both of us are, are pretty funny people. Thank God. You know, you never want to be the only funny one. Um, but I think that in order to create that intimacy and to keep it going, it has to be real. So it's, it's, it's not easy. For, it's not like a, a good idea to show up, make the show, post it, and then ignore everyone who's commenting. You know, we right. really made a point um, with each other to show up, to respond to every comment, to respond to every DM and have these conversations, allow ourselves to be challenged. Um, and I think that's a big part of what keeps people coming back week after week, well, we're every two weeks, um, is because they know that we're there and it's like a conversation starter. It's a way for them to have a breakthrough and think about things differently. And that if they want to talk, we're there. Mm. That's so good. I really love how that, is that how you... Is that how you measured success like early on or even now? It's not, you said it wasn't the views. Is it the number of conversation and, and connections that you did you get for each one? Yeah, we, that was, that was how we measured initially. We we're like, what conversations is this starting? You know, where is this showing up? Because people were, well, not the, like, I was about to say we had spies everywhere, but we did not. <laughs> um, people would like tell us, you know, like this, your video got dropped in this group I'm in and people mm. are talking about it. Here are the screenshots. And, you know, we, we heard things were happening and we, we saw things were happening and it was a real joy to be able to kind of see that blossom because right now we're on a quest. As we said, we're a small, we have a small but mighty following and we're on a quest for a thousand subs by the end of the year. But that is the first time we have ever set a follower or a goal of any kind. It's always been, is this a valuable conversation? That's how we measure it. Look, we've got, got the analytics on the back end and they can help us be informed about what kind of pe content people want um, and what's most interesting and what people are finding most engaging. But overall, our measure of success is what conversations are we starting? What breakthroughs are we helping people have? Like we had an episode recently uh, called Shameless Self-Promotion, which is one of my personal favorites, um, where we just talk about the, the process of selling. And how it can feel awkward and painful for some people. But if you show up ready to give it your all, people are going to want to buy because people need what you're selling. Um, and we had someone in the comments say, like, I watched this like two or three times. And then I went and made an offer and asked people to subscribe and buy. And they subscribed and bought. Who knew? I was like, <laughs> yes, getting results here. And they on a ham yacht. But that is what's most meaningful to us is hearing how it changes people's minds, confirms what they think, change what they, how they see themselves. Uh, and that's really the blessing, I think, of creating content in general. And it's just great to see kind of these outcomes roll out in real time. It seems like if I had to summarize, like what made Hamio uh, successful very early on and even now is like, you're you're both funny. Yeah. <laughs> you're, challenging, you're challenging status quo. You're challenging status yeah. quo. Is there is there anything else that you're looking back and it's like, oh, oh, that's why that got shared versus like other content where it just, it just dies off their mom watches it, but you're, it's being shared on Facebook yes. groups and, and mastermind groups. Like you said, it was just those two things, like your personality and, and just challenging stuff. The subject matter response is really interesting because we were so, uh, Hillary and Margaret Yellow websites, the original premise was that we were going to be screen sharing websites and like critiquing kind of line oh, by yeah. line, critiquing ads. And we still do that. But right now it's, a lot more also of the conversation between the two of us, like digging into things like shameless self-promotion. We're talking about actually like pageantry in the online business world and like, <laughs> and like, um, and you know, puffing yourself up. Like, what does that look like? We had a recent one about a Volkswagen ad, which was also a screen share, but what was really interesting is early on, we were trying to talk about current events. Uh, like we had a whole episode about Tesla back when they uh, shut off it, when they basically stopped, closed down a bunch of their showrooms and they were like, 
are, it's online only. Like we will drive the car to you. And we were sitting with like, is this a good idea? Is this the future? We don't, is this a bad idea? We don't know. Um, so we had a whole episode analyzing that. I loved it. I was super nerding out about it and it was just very into it, but because of how the show is structured where it's every two weeks, it took like a month for the actual episode to come out. So by the time it did, oh. it was old news and it totally flopped. And I was like, hey, guys, like, I loved this episode. This was so funny and so sharp, but it wasn't timely. So we had to scrap. Um, we decided to scrap current event episodes with the exception of when COVID really, I guess, took off is the word I'm, I'm not looking for. But when it became more apparent and the shutdown was happening, we actually did, and we're going to do more of these, um, a live episode for our community, like a live taping, which was basically a Zoom, uh, us on Zoom, you know, doing the episode with people watching and sharing and like doing Q&A and having a conversation afterwards. But that was another great way for our community to kind of come together and be together and laugh a little bit, cry a little bit, um, and just talk about what everyone else is doing and, and how to make it through. And it was a real privilege to be able to do that for people um, and create that space. Cause there were a lot of webinars and master classes, like how to survive COVID, how to pivot, how to work from home, how to do the thing. And it was like, <laughs> how, 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 how. And all of us were like, dude, and Margaret and I were like, we have no idea. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's kind of working. What about you guys? Um, and I actually did at the same time, I was working on a podcast with a couple of other friends called That's Quarantainment. Uh, we, were, we did like a capsule five episode podcast kind of on the same topic. But what was really wonderful about Hamia is we already had the audience. So it gave people a chance to be together in community without a lot of posturing that we knew everything, being able to talk about the technicalities of what we were seeing and, and what was to come. Mm. I think that's another thing that made Hamia like really big is that you're you're both real like a lot of people yeah. they come across you know you're on linkedin on twitter or instagram they're like i know i know everything i know my crap and this is how you do it versus i think there's that vulnerability piece that i think people are attracted to when you're like real and you're like really authentic and you're saying i i don't know what i'm doing this is new there hasn't been a pandemic this big since 100 years ago and anybody else yeah. who think they know what they're talking about actually don't because they're that's 100 years ago right yeah no one was alive maybe like two people <laughs> but yeah i think that was it too and there's such a fine line you walk as a content creator between like i don't know what i'm doing and like here's here is what i know because i think some people accidentally go too far in the wrong direction where it's like i don't know we're trying this we're experimenting which can be have someone looking at that being like what what do you know? <laughs> um, but for us, it's like, it's basically like, well, nobody has been prepared for this. Oh man. Um, but our whole yeah. ethos had always been like, we're talking honestly about what we're doing. Do we mm. have all the answers? No, but here's what's working. Here's what we've seen. So take it and run, deny it and run whatever you prefer. And I think that you're right. Not having that like guru on the mount yeah. stance has really helped us and, and made our community feel like a part of the family which I think is a really wonderful thing. Like we call our, our, our fans the hands um, because we're <laughs> and we, we're the hands and also they're the hands. Um, so it's just been a real privilege to be able to create something so fun and, and dare I say smart uh, and silly and just joyful to create. It's you know, like regardless of circumstance, it's been really awesome. The hams is a good one. Yas. <laughs> the yas. We should call them the yas. The yas. That's a good one, actually. We didn't think of that. Is there, 
all this is happening on social media. I'm guessing that people are commenting. Mm-hmm. Do you have Do you have a, a Facebook group or any groups outside of this, like an actual place where uh, the other members can talk to each other? Or right now it's all on social media. We've thought about it. Right now it's all on social media because we <laughs> neither of us had Margot has a toddler and I'm you know I was pivoting my business hugely so. It, we didn't have a lot of time to keep a Facebook group. We're actually toying with sort of what to do next for that side of the community because we do want to do events. We want to make offers together. Um, so what we're thinking of doing right now, both of us, it's it's actually really funny because both of us will send out our own Hamya email every time we launch a new video. And a lot of people subscribe to both of us just to see who has the better email. So we're like, all right. Um, so they're coming together in our email list. But um, what we would love to create is like a separate kind of landing page for the hands, our hands. Um, but it's a matter of figuring out what we want to do with it. And because we haven't quite decided what the next step is, it's been like, it's, it hasn't been necessary, but that is definitely our next phase. But where we're also running into a little bit of trouble is that do people want another Facebook group? Question mark. And it's I think that's mark, yeah. part of what, what Hamia does so well is the community is in the YouTube comments. It's people read, watching it and talking to each other. It's people sharing it on Instagram. It's people talking about it on Facebook, you know, the community lives among itself and it's self-sustaining for that reason. Um, but what I really, it's funny because I actually have a whole offer right now that I'm running with a bunch of people where <laughs> part of the entire value conversation was that this does not include a Facebook group or a Slack channel. <laughs> um, and, then, and people That's went nuts. They were like, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's monthly. It's like twice monthly hot seat coaching. And it's really fun. And I'm, I'm really proud of, of how we did it. It's like a six month stretch, you, um, you, they set a participants set a goal at the start of the six months and then, you know, they break down their goals month to month and then we just run it through and they bring, they bring stuff to the hot seat for me to critique and, and talk about. Um, and that was a whole part of the value conversation. And I was like, is, are they going to want this? Like, are they going to want to talk to each other in between? No, nobody wants to talk to each other in between, <laughs> but they're amazingly That's activated in the room together, which in the zoom room together, which is incredible. Like it's 15 people. And everybody's talking in the chat and cheering each other on and like listening to new offers being like, I would totally buy this. Yes, queen. And it's just really awesome to, to see that unfold without necessarily having a secondary place to distract them. I was like, ah, okay. So this isn't absolutely necessary. You know, it was, it was a wake up call um, that people are, are after the same things I am, which is like, I want that real community. I want people I, I actually know and like. Uh, who I trust and, and will be future collaborators and friends. And that doesn't necessarily mean I need a Facebook group. It means, you know, I, I meet with them once or twice a month. It means we have these conversations, you know, live and, and on social and the community is, is allowed to be a little more nebulous, but is just as valuable, which is really interesting. Mm. It is fascinating you say that. I think when I, when I talk to people about, hey, I'm building a community, the first question they ask is like, what platform are you going to use? Yeah. When you're, you're like the platform that doesn't matter as much as that connection, like that yeah. uh, willingness to open up and, and like cheer each other on. I think that's the, the hard part. But once you get that, like, it doesn't matter what platform you're on, whether you're on Zoom or Facebook yeah. or Instagram, right? Yeah. And it's community can take many forms. And what's I, what I think is interesting, I actually tweeted about this the other day where like all these marketers complain about Facebook and Facebook groups being distracting, but then someone set something up on Mighty Networks and they're like, mm, don't want to go over there. Like, can we just do a Facebook <laughs> group? Yeah. Which is, which again, some everyone's different. Like some people are really succeeding on the platform. I hear Mighty Networks is amazing. I don't want to hate on it, but it's so interesting how uh, there's a lot of complaining 
but not a lot of action towards like the solution or a new platform. So I'm like, you fickle so and so's. <laughs> You're already starting to lead towards it. Like, what are what have been the benefits to your business? You, you were talking about the friendship, the connections you're talking about. Yeah. You know, having a uh, group of people like really cheering you on. But like, for people just to summarize, what have been the benefits of creating Hamia community? Oh my God. Uh, credibility, huge, of course. Um, it's all of my, so I do, as I mentioned, creative direction and positioning coaching, and I do Thunder, which is my uh, group program for noisemakers. Um, and what has been great about it is all of my clients watch, most of my clients watch the show um, before coming to me because I think video is a really interesting medium. And when you're in consulting as well, I think it's very beneficial. So people get to see you and watch you like work out problems in your head in real time. Um, and provide insights where they're like, oh, not everybody's saying that, but now that you've mentioned it, the light bulb has gone off. Um, so that's been a really big one. Um, a second really big one, actually, and this brings me a lot of joy, is that I think in some ways it's made me more approachable um, to people. So back when in my copywriting days, since so long ago, I retired in July. Um, but what has been very interesting is that at the time I was a, I had been a face in the copywriting industry in a particular niche for a very long time, um, almost ten years by the, by the time I retired. And I think people were I had the good branding, like I have a very strong personality. So I think people were a little afraid to approach me, you know, with questions, with ideas, to get to know me because I'm a very friendly person. But I think some people, you know, they see somebody who has is a visible face in the industry and they're like, well, I don't want to bother them, mm, you know, yeah. like they would never want to hear right. from me. And it's a a real joy to kind of open the door on that with Hamiak because we're so eager to have people come in and talk. Um, and it's, I've created some really great friendships. I've been able to support some people who are just starting out in new ways. And, and that's been a, a real blessing because I'm a helper. You know, we never want to be totally, we don't want our, our social media to be a total free for all for everyone, like taking our, our life, sucking our life force and, and expertise out. But for me, what has been the, it's, it's very satisfying to be able to watch, to help people and, and answer questions and, and have them message me, you know, somebody they may have been following for a couple of years and have them get an answer because that personally, you know, changed the game for me when I was starting out, it took one person who was significant to open one door for me and it created my whole career. So ever since I've been like, how can I be that door opener for another person, another 10, another hundred, another thousand people? Like, what would that be like? Um, and that's been a real joy for me. Um, and then, you know, another benefit is I get to spend time with one of my best friends every couple of weeks filming, which is a real joy. Um, and the other side of this too, I think is it's given me the opportunity to evolve in a lot of my opinions. Like some, in some earlier Hamya episodes, I'm like, I don't know if I believe that now. Interesting. Um, and so we are able to like catch our viewers up on more recent episodes being like, we talked about this. I want to make a quick addendum so they get to see us evolve too and, and understanding that like expertise is not itself a monolith. Like it's ever changing, ever evolving. Uh, and they have the space to do that too. So that's hopefully a side benefit for people. I know it's been a side benefit for me. 
When we come back in in just a moment, Hilly shares her statement piece framework. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is an undiscovered goldmine for many advertisers. One thing I really love about advertising on LinkedIn is how you can target by very exclusive and specific criteria that you won't find anywhere else, such as company growth rates so you can reach fast-growing organizations, job seniorities so you can target the decision makers and close deals quicker, job titles so you can focus your advertising specific to your ideal customer profile, and more. Whether you're looking to generate leads, drive website traffic, or build brand awareness, LinkedIn advertising can help you reach your business goals quicker. Do business where business is done. Get free $100 advertising credit towards your first LinkedIn campaign at linkedin.com forward slash grow today or find that link in the description. Enough about this. Let's jump back into my chat with Hillary. Those are all great benefits. I'm kind of leading to the next question. So you're you're telling my listeners, hey, this this are all the benefits that you can get if you're thinking about building a community. Yeah. How do you? The next step is how? Like, let's say they're interested. How do they build it? And I I looked around, and you have this this framework that you that you created to help yeah. people to build a, a community around a, pers- a personal brand. Yes, the same piece framework. Let's talk about that. <laughs> so this is. So this is interesting. Um, it, it really is about building that community piece and getting attention. Um, so I, when I was getting started in the, I guess, I don't want to say thought leadership because like, ugh. Um, but when an influencer. I, back in my early days in my copywriting career, there we go. Influence, uh, influenza. <laughs> um, what was really fun about, that's such a good play on words, right? It's like a British thing, apparently. <laughs> Um, jokingly calling influencers influenzas. Um, anyway, uh, so I kind of started, my star started rising um, in the online space when I started showing up for myself and started uh, for many years as a copywriter. I was too burnt out at the end of the day to create my own stuff, to write my own blog posts and articles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, the only reason I started doing that was because I hopped off of the what a copywriter should write about train, you know, like I didn't want to write a blog post, like the seven steps to optimize your sales page, which is great. (laughs) Like great topic, but you know, a thousand people who are way smarter than me have already written that. And the idea of even just sitting down at my laptop to like that just made me bored out of my damn gourd. So I was uh, really eager to show up in a different way. Um, I think the first kind of out there post I ever made was about my childhood (laughs) growing up. It's called Notes from an Unremarkable Child, How Painful Averageness Equipped Me with a Life Philosophy, where it's basically like, I will work hard and make it because I'm not the most talented person out there, but I'm a hard worker and I will get things done. Um, And that like received so much more response than anything I'd ever written in the copywriting sphere. So I started following that thread and talking about, you know, the way I saw things, my point of view, my experience with creativity, you know, um, the writing itself as opposed to strategic writing. And the wheels started turning for people and it, they got shared because they were kind of a unique viewpoint on the experience of entrepreneurship, on the, on being creative, on making stuff, on, you know, developing ideas and and showing up for yourself and all these things that are now like the core components of my brand. So I had a lot of, I've started building community that way. Cause people were like Hillary Weiss, like she's got it in terms of like, nobody's talking about this stuff right now. This is awesome. And it was moving in the same way Hamia did where it was getting shared and disseminating out, but I wasn't necessarily needing to be the one sharing it. So I was like, yes, this is great. But folks were asking me how I was coming up with those ideas. 
Um, and what I realized, because they were in the same boat I were, was, because they're like, I know I should blog, but I don't want to write about the 10 steps to optimize your sales page. And I was like, I hear you, kid. <laughs> so I realized that what a lot of entrepreneurs miss, um, I think, when it comes to their content and creating stuff for ourselves, it's really hard for, we, we are kind of trained out of noticing our own thoughts and our own minds and, and points of view when it comes to content, when it comes to creating offers, because we get scared. You know, when I, when I, someone was like, I want a framework from you for coming up with these ideas that are so attractive and build community and, and get people really excited. And I was like, huh, how do I do that? Uh, so what did I do? I did, I Googled, how do you make a writing framework, which put me in the same position that I was in years before where I was like, I don't want to write this shit because the <laughs> equation is what's the problem you solve for clients? How do you solve it in, you yeah. know, what, what's the, what's the pain? Who's the target? What's the pain point? How do we solve that? with an article. So I was like, it's gotta be something different. Um, so I developed, it took me like four or five tries, good God. Um, but I developed the statement piece framework, which is literally a, a process of helping entrepreneurs notice where they get the most inspiration because that's where those sticky ideas come from. That's where those concepts come from that you can really hang your hat on and put out there proudly and have people say, yes, finally somebody said it. Um, and I find that sort of uh, this this framework helps you dig out where those ideas live. And I can go into how the framework works, but I've also been monologuing for like three minutes. No, no it's so good. Yeah, go, give you space go through to ask the... any follow-ups. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's really fascinating. You're like leading up to, you're telling like how the inception story of yeah. this framework. Yeah, I'm really curious. Like, what is that? What is that framework? I'd love, you know, if you can provide as much detail as, as you want uh, so that listeners, if they wanted to implement this. And I also believe there's a resource on your side if they wanted to check it out. Uh, yes. I, I downloaded the PDF as well, so yes. they can get that as well. It's so. super sexy. Um, yeah. it's, so it is uh, the Statement Piece Framework. You can find it at hillarywise.com backslash Statement Piece Framework. <laughs> I'm putting on my radio voice for that. Um, that was but- good. Thank you. I, I try to practice that on all of my on my shows. Um, but so the same piece framework, um, how I kind of came up with the idea, I was like, where, what situations do I leave in my life feeling really fired up and inspired? Like, where do I get a lot of my best ideas? Like, where do they come from? Where do those little seeds sort of get planted? Um, and I realized that there were three kind of scenarios where the most inspiration comes from. And it's often us reacting to stimulus. So I realized that there were three, I call them the statement piece scenarios, um, where the best ideas kind of get born and, and sussed out. And uh, there, I also frame it as, you know, in each scenario, you can be either anti or advocate. So you can be like, oh, this, oh my God, I don't really, I just, if nobody says this again, it'll be too soon. And then uh, that's anti. And then advocate is, I love this, nerding out about this. Yes, 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 yes. Um, which are the two kind of impetuses for us to show up and create stuff, right? So, um, and write stuff and share. Uh, so the three statement piece scenarios are actually all conversations. So they're the, the first scenario is conversations you have with your clients. What's something a client says to you that you're like, oh my God, who's sending this advice around? They need to be trotted out and tried before the court because this is ridiculous. Um, and also, similarly, what does the client tell you that you're like, yes, oh my God, can I clone you and have 15,000 more of you, please? Yes, let's get into this. Um, that's where, again, you're, a lot of inspiration comes from too because it's the day-to-day -day of your business, especially if you're client-facing. Uh, the second scenario 
is conversations with your colleagues. So mm, you're across, you may remember in the before times, we had these things called restaurants that you could go to <laughs> and sit across from each other indoors, sharing a bottle of wine and some food. Um, but, you know, if you picture yourself, if you drink, like you're out to a dinner with your business bestie and you're like half a bottle of wine deep, what comes up that makes both of you dig in? Whether it's like, oh my God, you're seeing this too? Ugh, we've got to put a stop to this. How could people think this? This is so incorrect. And similarly, what's something both of you are like, yes, you've been seeing this too. I'm so excited. Oh, hell yes. Let's talk about this more. How are you incorporating this into your business? That kind of thing. Um, and then the third scenario is actually conversations you have with yourself. Because as creatives, as you know, business owners, we always have these inner monologues kind of going on. And it's normally the same conversation on loop until it gets written down and shared. It's really important to notice you know, what are the conversations you're having with yourself over and over about, you know, you're, you're doing the dishes and all of a sudden this thought pops into your head again. And you're like this fucking thought, Ugh, I really <laughs> got to talk to some people about this. Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. And then similarly, like you're scrolling and you see like a new breakthrough or a new development or something that you're like, whoa, this is like extremely my shit. This is awesome. Let's talk about this more. Um, and you're like, oh, what should I do with this? Like, how do I create this? How do I get this in front of more people? So those are kind of the three scenarios um, where I find a, all, a lot of our best ideas come from. Um, and I have, it's so awesome. Like it's the Statement Piece Framework. It's been out for a few years. Um, and I still, you know, today get emails from people being like, hey, I downloaded this in 2018. And I want you to know I still use it every month for my content or I want you to know that I created a post in 2019 based on the framework and it's still my number one driver of traffic and clients Interesting. Um, and all of these things, which is so cool um, because I, we need to relearn how to not, not just think for ourselves, but notice our own minds and contributions, because I think uh, we're kind of trained to give our power away as entrepreneurs because we, and as creatives in the online space um, and creatives in general, because we always believe there's somebody who's already done it better than us before us. And mm. why shouldn't we learn from them? Yeah. Um, and I think that makes sense. But to a point, you know, in order to create community, in order to show up for yourself, in order to put a stake in the ground for your own ideas, you have to learn how to notice them, you know, and where they come from and and why. Um, but one thing that is funny is I, I work in a, a fair few of my audiences are uh, audience members are from the coaching and creative space and they're women. Uh, and so they'll approach me and like send me emails and be like, so... I don't know how to say this, but uh, I've been really excited about the anti-piece way more than the advocate. Like it feels better to get mad about something and more inspiring. I was like, yes, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. Cause I have this workshop called start with nah, like the number one uh, brand strategy you're not using. Because I think like what we like is very broad, right? What mm. we appreciate, what we value, uh, but what we don't like uh, which is something we're told to run from because like you don't want to be too negative and yeah, da, 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 da. Um, it's, it's like a line in the sand for us. There's so much more clarity around the no than the yes, oftentimes. Yeah, and you can do true. both. Like you, you can appreciate both and there's, there's a time and a place, but it's so interesting. I think especially as women, because we're so socialized to be accommodating, to sit down and be like, do I hate this? Oh my God, I didn't even know. Um, so it's just, it's a real treat to kind of watch, watch the light bulb go off there. Um, for people. And, and it's often a starting point, you know, they'll be more advocate than anti as time goes on. And they kind of get their, their wigglies out in terms of like what they're against. Um, but I think it's a, it's a real joy to watch people sort of value their own opinions in that sense again, um, and use it to create those eye catching community building ideas. 
yeah, so I'm going to encourage my listeners to just go, I'm going to add the link to that, that resource and to download the, that statement piece framework uh, on the show notes as well on the website. So I'll make sure to get people to do that. As I wrap up, um, I just two final questions. The first one is if you had to give one or two pieces of advice, it could be anything that we've talked about so far in the last uh, few minutes that we've been chatting, or it could be anything that's unrelated. What would be your uh, advice to anybody, uh, consultants, coaches, entrepreneurs who are interested in building a niche community with, like what you've done with Hamya? Yeah, no doubt. I think... Um... I always tell folks and my students and my coaching clients and even my creative direction clients sometimes, uh, there's a lot of silence on the way to making a lot of noise. Um, so I think that a lot of people get discouraged if they build a community and it doesn't immediately have 100 members or they read an article and it doesn't immediately go viral. Um, showing up for yourself and building on your ideas and learning how to study um, and create things based on what you uniquely think and the way you uniquely see things, it's a practice. It's a muscle you build just like anything else. And part of the reason why I developed the framework is tapping into your own point of view like that is very motivating in a way that doing the seven steps to optimize your sales page just isn't. Like this is a momentum game. This is not an instant fame game. Um, and the more you keep at it, the more gratifying it is for your creative practice as your bottom line. Uh, because those folks will come and they will show up, but it does require you showing up consistently. So be patient and enjoy the ride. There's actually a lot of freedom being smaller in the beginning because you can experiment and make mistakes and share those ideas that a year later you're like, oh, maybe not that. But you're not going to die if you decide to change your mind a year from now. So that's the first piece. And the second piece, I think, is we don't give joy enough weight um, in the online business space either along uh, among our with our products, with our offers. We often forget. We think about what's going to make money. We think about what people are going to want. Um, and it, it makes us create things that kind of burn us out or fry us rapidly. But when we sit and we, we sort through, you know, what's going to bring me the most joy? What would, I, what would feel really fun to create and share? It brings a whole different energy to the offers and our own consistency um, and our own communities. So consider that. Start where the fun is and follow the thread. See where it goes. Interesting. I really love that piece with joy. Like, you know, that's been something I've done where I, I did something because it's cool to do. And, you know, it's going to, I think it's going to make me money. But at the end of the day, you burn out. If it doesn't give you joy, you're, you're going to burn out early on and you won't have that consistency factor to, to see it through. Yep. Absolutely. Just one final question. Where can people find out more about you? This is your call to action to my listeners. Do you want them to follow you on Twitter, go to your website, add you on LinkedIn or all of the above? <laughs> Listeners, I am calling you to action, please. <laughs> my LinkedIn is so neglected. Come jam with me over there. I'm Hillary Weiss Presswood. That's with my married name. Um, also, please subscribe to Hamyat. Come check it out. It's You can find that on YouTube at H-A-M-Y-A-W. Um, you can also add me on Instagram at H-C Weiss. It's always a party over there, and I would love to see you. And you can follow me on Twitter under the same handle. That's at H-C-W-E-I-S-S. And also go ahead and download the statement piece framework and shoot me an email when you've got it. I'd love to hear what you think. Well, thank you so much, Hillary. I really do appreciate it. This has been awesome, Romley. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Well, that's it for this episode. I also want to remind you that I have created a free growth cheat sheet with all the actual tips from this episode in a one-page PDF. Now, why take notes? When you can just steal mine, go to growtoday.fm forward slash 127 to get it now. Now, before I end, I also once again want to thank our sponsor for this episode, LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is an undiscovered goldmine for many advertisers. Like I said, one thing I really love about LinkedIn is how you can target very exclusive criteria like 
company growth rate, job seniority, job titles, skills, and more. Whether you're looking to generate leads, drive website traffic, and build brand awareness, LinkedIn advertising can help you reach your business goals. Get $100 advertising credit towards your first LinkedIn campaign for free at linkedin.com forward slash code today. Please also support me. There's three easy ways. First, you can tell a friend about this. You can send them an email. Uh, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn. Second, you can join the Grow Today mailing list where you'll get the cheat sheet directly emailed to you each week. And third, leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people like you can find out more about this show. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramley John. Keep safe. And as always, keep on growing. Passion.